Hey guys, welcome back to Health by Heather Hirsch. Today, I wanted to talk about some of the life lessons that I have taken away from this period of time, this pandemic, this quarantine, and I wanted to give them to you and spark kind of conversation on some lighter things this week on what we have taken away from this experience because each experience should teach us something. It should help us grow. It should help us learn and not without growing pains, of course, but that's kind of why I wanted to share some of that thoughts that I had with you. Open that dialogue. Tell me what you have learned, what you've taken from this experience. And we are still continuing with the Black Lives Matters series. I'm going to be back next week where I'm going to be interviewing some people. I'm really, really looking forward to that. I just wanted to bring some other voices and due to scheduling constraints. And I thought just kind of mixing it up would sort of be a nice way to sort of segue and take a break from some of the heavier things that we have been listening to and learning about on this podcast. So stick around. We're going to be talking about what we learned from COVID-19. Here we go. Hi, and welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, UberLube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about UberLube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is the chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount every time, plus no sticky residue. It's latex compatible and fun fact, it can be used underwater. So if you go to uberlube.com, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com and use the code podcast, you will get 10% off orders on their website. I know you won't be disappointed. Thanks again for checking out my podcast. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and leaving any comments and reviews. I always really cherish every single one of those comments and messages because it means so much to growing this conversation and to opening the dialogue about women's health. And that's really my mission. That's really why I want to empower women and, you know, put out this podcast and and things like that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you guys don't know, I have a YouTube channel, Health by Heather Hirsch, where I post a lot of videos on menopause and midlife. And you're welcome to check those out. And you're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My handle is at HeatherHirschMD. And on Instagram, I'm at hormone.health.doc. And I post a whole bunch of stuff there too. Some of my research, some of the interviews I'm doing, and, and just some of the things that I'm interested in in that moment in time. So you can check those out there. For a little bit of a lighter shift this week, I kind of want to talk about some of the lessons that I have learned about uh, the coronavirus sort of lockdown and what that means for women's health. 
health, not just sort of what I have learned personally, but how these things equate to how we can live our best lives, our functioning lives, all of these things are so, so important for us to really thrive and to feel healthy. You know, that mental health, that awareness of our emotional well-being and our physical well-being are so important and so much has shifted. <laughs> so much of the way we do life has shifted since the pandemic. So I wanted to give you six major shifts, six major things I've noticed about life that I hope you can either follow along with me or implement or tell me which worked for you or which didn't work for you. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with the very first thing. And that is about friendships. One of the things that surprisingly has happened in quarantine is the ability to be able to reconnect and rekindle a lot of friendships. And it's not even that these friendships were damaged in any way. It's just that so much time had gone by uh, between friends. We're now in different locations. We now have, you know, different jobs and children's and husbands and all the things that can affect female friendships, that this has just been an incredible time to reconnect and rekindle. And especially when we think about rekindling, there's so much going on in the world that's really helped us think about some of the defining moments in our lives and some of the friendships that we really have a, a bridge, a way to connect with people that we may have not talked to in a while because there's this sort of shared experience of what everyone's been going through in the last couple of months and how that has affected everyone's work and family life. And, and so there's this ability to sort of rekindle because of that those shared experiences. And it's been so, so, so lovely. And it's you know, female friendships are so important. In fact, there's a lot of research that female friendships are extremely important uh, for women's health. You know, it's it's great to have a friend, someone that you're not a partnership with, someone that you're not romantically linked to, because it just gives you another outlet, another, you know, place for you to uh, have your discussions, think about the things that are going on in your life. And so female friendships are so important. But when we get to sort of midlife, um, you know, and menopause, we can kind of sort of get stuck in the same circle and start, you know, still kind prioritizing, you know, our partners and our children that we do forget about our friendships. And this happens a lot with women. And so this is just a great time to remember that those friendships are so important, even if it's been years, you know, everyone kind of has knows that saying of, oh, we haven't talked in years, but we can pick up the phone and be just where we were. And that's really what happens. And not only is it a good time to rekindle because there is that shared experience, but it's also such a great time to reconnect because we are all learning rapidly how to use, you know, various different platforms to to connect. We have to do those now for our jobs. We have to do those for our hobbies. We have to do that for everything that we can now do it for our friendships. So I have to say, you know, I've done this with so many of my friend groups, my college friends, my medical school friends. And you know what? We all do it now on Zoom, and it's really fun. Yes, we could absolutely just call each other on the phone, and that's what we kind of used to do. But now, since we are so kind of inundated with being able to visualize and see each other and use these platforms, I sort of thought to myself, actually, I went downstairs, and I said to my husband, I was like, you know, I just had been on a Zoom call with my friends for like an hour and a half, and, and he had actually done the same thing a few nights ago. And I was like, this is so much better than going like out to the bar. <laughs> I don't have to get dressed up. I can be in my pajamas. I don't have to put on makeup. I don't have to pay for anything. I don't have to drive there. 
there. I don't have to worry about, you know, how to get home and all those little like, logistical things that are barriers to friendship. Not that, you know, let me just hold off. Those things are fun. And I definitely do miss them. But, you know, for a lot of us who are introverts or who have a lot of competing factors uh, for keeping our friendships alive, because it's a, it's a, it's a work, it's, it's a relationship. They take work. Friendships should not be taken for granted. This kind of ability to reconnect on Zoom has sort of, you know, reinvigorated a lot of friend groups. And it's very, very fun. You can, you know, just dismantle so many of the barriers about getting together. Uh, that has been just so joyful for me. And I wonder if you guys have had the same experience. And again, I just really wanted to to remind you that female friendships are so important. We all know that. But, you know, making sure you reach out to that friend that maybe is kind of still on your list or that you haven't connected to in a long time, you know, use this time to do that because I found it to just be just, just so, so heartwarming. All right. <laughs> Another thing that I have sort of come to realize in quarantine, and I think I kind of always knew this, but it's now really hit home, is that nine to five doesn't make sense. You know, nine to five doesn't make sense. Who, where did that even come from? There's probably a really good history about nine to five jobs, right? Probably comes back from, you know, after World War II when people started to resume sort of, you know, a corporate jobs. And uh, typically at that time, men went to work and women stayed home. And it just made sense that you worked during the hours that were light out, right? So you work from nine to five, but that just like doesn't make any sense, nor does it like need to be that way. You know, so I guess the only way to really describe this is kind of tell you a little bit about my life. And some of you may already know, but you know, I'm married and uh, my husband's a nurse manager and I have two small children there, two and three. And I, uh, you know, work at a large academic institution in Boston where I'm the uh, menopause uh, clinical program director. And I love my job, but when I'm not in clinic, uh, which is about half the week, the other half of the week is called academic time or administrative time in, in academic words. And, and, and what that means is when that time I'm, I'm being productive in things that are not traditionally like seeing patients. So maybe I'm working on research, I'm, I'm making a presentation, or I'm teaching, or I'm going to a conference, or I'm um, continuing my um, education in some sort of way. And so I'm doing some of those things in that time. And, you know, back before coronavirus, typically many of us would go to our offices on our ad admin days and be in the office from nine to five. And, you know, that, that's just kind of the way it was. And, and, and there may be a way that translates into to your life, maybe in your past life or if you're still working or, you know, someone that, that kind of worked in that traditional nine to five. But that just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. It's kind of silly to sort of say like, these are the only times I'm going to work and I'm going to work, you know, just straight those nine to five, that nine hours a day. And then I'm going to come home and I'm just going to be able to unwind. I mean, it can work for a while, sure. But now that we're all sort of stuck at home, nine to five doesn't make sense. I like to sometimes do a little bit of work on the weekends, maybe when my children are napping. And yes, oh no, sometimes even at night, right? Sometimes as the sun is setting, I have a glass of wine and I can do a little bit of work then and I feel really productive and I'm really laser focused. And then maybe between the 1 p.m. and the 2 p.m., uh, you know, I have to, you know, help change my children's diapers and take them to the potty and do all those sort of things that I need to do. And so I'm still working the same amount of time. I'm just sort of scattering it over. For some people, that's totally unideal. You know, working on the weekend sounds like that's my sacred time. I'm not going to work. And, and by no means do I do this all the time. But it doesn't have to be that you only do your working hours between 9 to 5 and you can't do anything else during that time. And I think a lot of us have realized that since we've had to be at home, that that mole just doesn't 
fit and nor is it necessarily healthy. And so I'm interested to see how businesses and other job opportunities going forward who who have this sort of ability to be flexible. So obviously this this wouldn't make sense to say, you know, you work in a hotel and you need to physically be, you know, taking care of others while you're there. Or if you're working at a grocery store and you're checking out groceries, you obviously, you know, need to be there. So th- there's some ways in which this won't be very flexible. And I can kind of understand that. Um, and and so this may provide then flexibility, though, to, to kind of ex- expand our minds and sort of what it means to be productive, what it what times we're supposed to be productive, and maybe just kind of throwing all that out the window and sort of, you know, seeing that maybe the individuality or the individual person can actually better determine when they are most productive. In fact, there actually is a lot of research showing that when people do have some autonomy and flexibility, they actually tend to be more productive because they have less burnout. Um, they have more variability in what they're doing. So there's excitement in their certain projects, whereas there's uh, other projects just kind of take on that like, you know, checklist. I, I kind of have to do this as part of my role. But I'm interested to see how that evolves, how other people sort of adapt that, because we're seeing so many ways that businesses are shifting, uh, sort of this is the traditional business model. Um, and so, you know, I think that another thing that we've learned is nine to five doesn't always make sense. And maybe it's not the healthiest way to do things. If if there is the ability to have flexibility, I am excited to see how those will weave into um, society, weave into sort of the cultural work norms that we already know to see how that can improve um, people's satisfaction at work, people's productivity, um, and, and therefore just being overall generally happier and healthier. Okay, another thing that kind of came up on this list when I was thinking about the lessons learned from Corona came to me is that the ability to be self-sufficient isn't all that hard. Now, let me just take a step back. What do I mean by self-sufficient? Well, I mean the, the little things that we're used to doing. Manicures, pedicures, getting our hair, hair done, all the way up to, you know, grocery shopping for ourselves. A lot of the things that we used to spend time and money on and we used to essentially basically outsource, I've learned that some of those things I actually enjoy and are cheaper doing myself. So, okay, in one of my other podcasts uh, on reinventing yourself, I talked about how I was uh, really working on doing my own manicure. Now, this is sort of a sort of silly example, I guess. Um, But again, it's also something that's kind of important to me. I think, you know, I talk to patients a lot. I talk with my hands a lot. I'm frequently, you know, either taping myself or on some type of video. And so I like to just have my nails done because I'm insecure about the way they look otherwise. And, you know, I was just genetically born with, I think, sort of ugly nail pads. Anyways, I used to go get manicures, as many women do and enjoy, but I have to say, deep down, I didn't love getting a manicure. I mean, it took me about an hour by the time I got there, waited in line, had to soak off my gel and do all of the things. It took a long time. And you know, it costs about, where it depends where you live, it costs about $40 on average, depending on if you live in a smaller city or a bigger city and just sort of the supply and demand for people to do your manicures. So, you know, I never really enjoyed this process, but I enjoyed having my nails look clean and professional. So I, I mentioned that I was going to start doing my own manicure and I ordered a manicure set. And full disclosure, I think the manicure set was like 80 
$88 or $80. I'm not sure. Maybe $88 after, you know, it ships and gets to your house. Right. And I just kind of had this moment where I, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this. So like many people, I use YouTube for almost everything. So I YouTubed, you know, this, but this brand that I bought and how to do this manicure set. And I did it myself. And I was so excited and so proud. Uh, I actually couldn't even wait for them to chip off so that I could like redo it. And I really sort of took a took home a couple of lessons that one, it's actually nice to be able to do something for yourself and sort of take back that ownership that you used to, you know, outsource. So being able to do my own nails secured actually time for me. I mean, it took me 20 minutes to do my nails compared to an hour and it actually did secure money, right? So the manicure set was like $88 came with six different polishes. I know you're, you're, probably very interested in that, right? Um, but that will probably last me several, several, several manicures. So while I, you know, have sort of a love-hate relationship with outsourcing, being a, you know, type A kind of person, I like to do things myself. However, you know, I do think outsourcing is valuable so that you can function to your highest level. But, you know, I have to say it was relaxing and it was somewhat like meditative to do my own nails. It's actually going to save me time and save me money. And that's a habit that I'll probably take after, you know, the pandemic ends. Now, again, I, I probably will get manicures again in my life, but it was just so nice to be able to say like, yeah, Heather, you can do your own nails. Like you never thought that you could do this. You absolutely can. And, and there's many more examples of that. You know, in fact, I grew an herb garden and I've never done this before, but I sort of said, you know, I can have my own herbs. It's, it's thinking about how costly it is every time you need, you know, just like a stick of rosemary and something else I've never done before. And, you know, invested like maybe a hundred dollars because I had to buy all these pots and the potting plant and, you know, again, watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, and I'm really excited about some of the things that I'm learning. I'm learning to be self-sufficient and I'm learning that it's actually going to save me pr probably time and money in the future. And so sort of renegotiating what you want to outsource, I think is, is really, a, if this gives you a fresh perspective to do so and think about what really does make you happy and what doesn't. So sitting in a long line to get my nails done didn't really make me happy. All right, going on to the next thing I've learned is that exercising at home is awesome. And this is sort of actually, it, it, as I talk out loud, um, kind of goes along with that outsourcing. So I guess we don't like outsource the gym, but we kind of do. We outsource like the equipment and the place to do it by, you know, having a gym membership or um, whether it's a yoga studio, whatever, CrossFit, you know, we kind of outsource having that stuff. But for the last several months, we haven't been able to go to the gym. So many people who enjoy being physically physically active have had to now do some do so from home. And as we're starting to do this, we're starting to realize that there's some major benefits in doing so. And again, it's sort of the same thing, I guess, time and money. I guess that's what it really comes down to, right? Time and money. But those are the things that are important to women um, in midlife um, because th those are the things that we cherish. That's what gives us the life that we want to live. And if you have listened to my podcast before, you know how much I really advocate for regular exercise, not only to keep chronic conditions at bay, but also just to improve your, you know, your, your, your mood, your functionality in daily life, uh, just to feel so excited and amped up and have all those wonderful sort of happy, you know, um, chemicals floating around your body. I think exercise is so good for the brain and the body that I'm a big advocate of exercising. And when we do it at home, we avoid the, you know, the stress of getting there. And it seems really simple. If you live in a city, it, getting somewhere 
anywhere is never simple. You know, there's always, you know, bikers and you have road rage and you're late. And then, you know, you're just, it's stressful to get somewhere on time just to exercise. It feels like you're exercising just, just to get to exercising, right? Um, it, of course, there's many benefits. I mean, there's look at the social benefits of being able to go somewhere. There's the gym equipment that's really nice. Perhaps you do yoga where you're actually probably paying mostly for the teacher and for the studio. And so, so maybe some of these things won't exactly translate, but we've all had to shift to, you know, not doing exercise at home or, or for the exercise instructor, learning how to do it from home, which I don't have experience. I'm, I'm, I'm not an exercise instructor on the side, although that would be really fun. But being able to do some of this at, at home really, again, reclaims your time. You don't have to sit in the car. You can exercise whenever you want. You can now do classes on Zoom. You can decide what you want to pay for. You don't have to pay the overhead for the gym. Uh, you can just do it in your basement. And we've also really realized how little equipment we really need to be able to just exercise at home. Maybe you do invest in something and that's an upfront investment, but you can quickly realize that even though it's costly to buy that piece of equipment, you know, that might equal the same cost as like three months at your gym. And, and after that three months, you know, you're going to start being able to reclaim and save that money and, and put it towards something else that you really want. So exercising at home is just re another one of those, uh, to me, opportunities to uh, sort of, you know, learn from from coronavirus and, and take some of the positive things that we've learned, which is that exercising at home is okay. And, and many people will go, continue to go back and support their gyms and their teachers. But for those of us who realize that it just makes more sense to exercise at home, I think, you know, the goal is to be happy, to be functional in your life. And so this has really given us that opportunity to see with our own eyes. You know, and a perfect example of this is my sister. She spent a, a lot of money on a gym membership and she really did enjoy um, the culture and she enjoyed her friends, but she's a new mom and she realized that it saved her so much time and energy. And, you know, energy is essentially emotional currency. You know, that, that emotional currency of just getting to the gym and getting home and talking to those friends, she can now really kind of dedicate back to her daughter and to her husband and to the things that really are important, her friendships, right? We talked about how important friendships are that were really important to her. And perhaps this season of her life, you know, after a few years will change and she might go back to that community and she may go back to her gym. But it's nice to see that people are realizing they can view life um, through this different lens. And uh, some of the things they never would have considered before are actually a lot more functional for where they are in their life right now. This leads me to another point that I had sort of put on my list here as I was outlining this podcast, and that is that commuting is such a waste of time. Now, this is really kind of goes along with that theme of your time and is money, your energy is money, is emotional currency, you know, and commuting is, especially if you live in a big city, it is really such a waste of time. Now, what I think that this means or how I think this will translate is that we're many of us are going to have to go back eventually, right, to commuting. But I think that some of the things that we've learned from the pandemic is that we can, if needed and when needed, or, you know, potentially like certain days of the week, we may be able to fully function from home. And I think the pandemic sort of threw everyone into some of their futuristic goals on working virtually. And for example, I know um, my seat being a physician, it was always a 
you know, many institutions goals to be able to start doing um, virtual health and telemedicine. And while people are kind of slowly adapting to that, you know, the pandemic just threw everyone right into learning quickly how to do that. We, we all just kind of had to go through those growing pains at some point. And we did. So we did, you know, a lot of beneficial things during this time that I think we otherwise would have really sort of dragged our feet on. And so, you know, for example, I've realized if uh, I ever had maybe a sick child at home and uh, I, I needed to emergently be home, my child couldn't say be a daycare. If I had to, you know, in a pinch, maybe I could convert my, um, my appointments that day to virtual appointments. So I I could have my child nap and be at home. You know, again, I'm, I'm sort of just picking and thinking of little scenarios where, where what we've learned is that we can be so flexible and we can do so many things virtually. I mean, I've heard of people taking piano lessons virtually, you know, taking, uh, doing sign language um, using uh, virtual, um, you know, people are taking college classes. People are seeing their patients. We're doing so many things virtually. N- not that I'm saying that that is the best or that should be the goal standard or we should never be in person again, like absolutely not. But, you know, we have experienced the growing pains of learning how to do, you know, everything virtually, launch all the new apps and and all the new websites that we need to learn all these things through that we can really take that experience. I mean, it's 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 incredible uh, what so many of us have had to learn in a, in a really short amount of time under a lot of stress. So I think that's sort of that take-home message. Commuting is a waste of time. And I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent from there. But, you know, again, when you think about if, say, your commute is a 20 minutes, that's still 40 minutes a day of time that you have essentially, you know, essentially kind of you're, you're stuck to, you're bound to, you have to be in your car. And uh, going forward, perhaps maybe you take one or two days and you work from home or you, you know, etc. And I think that so many of us, including our employers and our bosses can now also see, you know, how productive that people can be at home and that it's potentially something that we can be flexible about going forward. So I'm interested to see how all of that will play out. You know, and so just kind of piggybacking off that, I think my final point is that, you know, this um, ability to be virtual is probably going to be a huge part of our future. And I think uh, embracing it and congratulating ourselves on going through those growing pains, um, being able to radically acclimate to some of the changes that people have had to make. And, and let's be honest, some people have had it much harder than others. So I know my mother-in-law is a teacher at a high school and it's just so hard. Some of the things that people need, you know, are hard to translate to virtual. But for some of the things that people have been able to accomplish virtually, it's just so, um, so wonderful to see. It's so, so amazing to uh, see that, you know, the way we've sort of just traditionally done everything just because, just because that's the way we've done everything since like World War II or whatever, you know, we can actually be a lot more flexible and in ways that I think can allow women to flourish, in particular women who have young children um, and women who are in midlife, who are taking care of elderly and children and husbands and dogs and houses. So I think that this virtual aspect, the uh, the things that we have all learned uh, from this uh, are things that we're going to take as positive notes from, you know, everything that's been so hard about the quarantine. Um, We've all learned to adapt to stress. We've all learned to adapt 
adapt to looking different in public. We've all learned to adapt to staying, you know, distant from our neighbors as we shout across the street about how people are doing. And we we really probably underestimate how much we have learned and how much we have changed. And I just, this is a great space and time to acknowledge each and every one of us and you for, you know, being a part of the solution and being uh, just as a proactive and healthy member um, of, of society. So I really wanted to do a lighter podcast today. We're going to get back to some of the racial inequalities in women's health care next week. I'm really, really excited. So, you know, please stay tuned for what's coming up. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. You know, again, these are sort of just my thoughts on um, really important lessons from uh, coronavirus and from the last couple of months for of all of our experiences. And I'm so interested to hear yours. So leave a comment. You know, you can always uh, send me a message either on Instagram or at Twitter. And, and let me know if you th- thought any of these things were the same. Let me know if there's something I didn't think of. I, I really want this to be a conversation. Um, so so please feel free to connect with me in any way. I hope you guys um, enjoy this podcast. I always hope that it sheds light on improving the health of women, particularly in midlife, but you know, women in general, again, sort of across the reproductive span, um, women face so many different barriers and so many different you know, health concerns that that it's really nice to take this podcast to shed light on some of those. Remember, keep your friendships very close. It is something that I think this has been a really strong reminder of how important friendships are for women's health. So if I leave you with one thing to remember, that would be my takeaway. Thank you guys for listening in and for supporting my podcast. It means the world to me. I can't wait to check in with you guys next week. Um, Feel free also to send me any other ideas you have for shows. Everyone have a safe and wonderful day or evening and I will see you next week. Bye.